You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jeremy Shear. The podcast is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. So one of the biggest challenges for B2B marketers is connecting with prospects at just the right time, namely when people are actually ready to buy, which is only at very particular times, right? And of course, there are dozens of tools out there designed to address this problem, but I don't think any one of them has actually solved it, at least to the best of my knowledge. I mean, is there even a solution to this problem? My guest today has thought long and hard about this issue, and he's with us to explore it. He's Frederick Herman. Frederick is Vice President of Digital Marketing at Beekeeper, which is a B2B platform that allows frontline businesses to run operations more efficiently. Frederick, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Appreciate it. So let's jump right in. What are some of the limitations of the current technology that's out there, those platforms, to to help sellers know when buyers are actually in the market? Yeah, so it it has become fairly easy and accurate to address your ICP, the people that you actually do want to sell to, the companies, the titles, the buying committee. But as you said earlier, how do you reach the people that are most likely to buy that are in some sort of buying stage? Because many of us might not have budget, time, have already solution in place. And you want to target the people that are most likely to convert into prospects and meetings and sales for your company. And that's the main challenge. It's such a significant challenge, right? I mean, what's the statistic? It's of your audience. Only like 2%, 1% of them are actually in buying mode at any given time. Right. The the percentages are, are a little bit higher depending. And we also switch to intent data to support mm-hmm. our targeting. And there is no one solution. There's no no marketer who has figured it all out. Yeah. It's always a, a target that you will chase. And it gets better over time. And you deploy new systems, new tricks, new data. And it allows you to get better and more efficient over time to reach exactly the right people at the right time. And yeah. the intent data, which we get through Sixth Sense, and it goes through our HubSpot CRM system and then into the different ad platforms like Facebook and LinkedIn and Influ2 and others. And that will help to increase the conversion rate because you already know that these people are researching certain topics that are relevant to you as a business or are even researching your competitors. So you can utilize that data for people that are currently in market. And so mm-hmm. you're making your targeting better than your basic ICP, because if I'm marketing to 25,000 companies, I don't know who is currently doing any research on deploying something like Beekeeper. So the more accurate the data is in terms of intent, the better chance you have of actually connecting with people who are actively looking for a solution ready to buy. Right. Now, you guys at Beekeeper are working on a technology, on a system that would help advance this process, right? Tell us about what you guys are working on. So the idea itself is not brand new. Actually, in the Facebook FAQs, you can find 
hints to provide these systems like your Google ads or Facebook or other platforms, better data so that you can target the right people. So historically, marketers have initially the ad platforms were able to report on clicks first. So that's something that's first party data. LinkedIn can tell you how many people clicked on this ad. That was the first step. The next one was to put cookies on your website so you would know they clicked and visited your website. And so you can keep targeting them. Then the next step was to put a pixel firing or a tag on your website. So you would have click, visit, and form fill. And the AI or the machine learning behind Facebook or Google optimizes for whatever data you give back to the system. So for the longest time, we were optimizing for form fills, which mm. fires on the thank you page or right after the form has been filled out, generates a lead within your system. And I now know that this specific asset or ad is converting well on leads. So, and then Google or Facebook gives me more of, or feeds this ad to more people because they want to make money as well. And we want those leads. So we might generate, I don't know, 500 leads from this ad. But that doesn't mean that these 500 people are converting well into opportunities or close one deals because they were just interested in our trends report 2023. So how can we provide these systems better data? Because they keep optimizing towards the signal that we send back. So if we deploy what is called offline or deep funnel events, back into Facebook and back into Google, then their algorithm, and it's a black box, it's AI, can get us more of the leads that are optimizing for a signal that is deeper in the customer journey or the sales funnel. So mm -hmm. I can now say or feedback the signal of an approved opportunity or sales accepted lead or closed one deal. So let's say we, we say, we have these leads turned into approved opportunities. So please give me more of those, not just the leads who fill out the form. So the system mm -hmm. is now learning, oh, this is a subset, a cohort of people that are converting well into approved ops or even closed one deals. You need at least 50 signals per week for these systems to work. It's, it's always about data and learning. So if I feed back into the system that I want more of the people that turn into approved ops, my quality overall will rise. And we deployed that at a previous company called BirdEye. We built a whole system around it and we were able to reduce cost per opportunity and cost per closed one deal by 40%. So it's huge. Like the gains mm -hmm. were dramatic. We created less leads. But it doesn't matter because we are not here to create busy work for our BDRs or our sales team and them mm -hmm. following up on people who downloaded our yeah, hospitality guide. That's not what they want. They want yeah, as much increase that conversion rate from lead to approved opportunity, from approved opportunity to a closed one deal. And so now that we're targeting all the ones that are more likely to turn into deeper stages within the funnel, the amount of leads reduced, but our cost for opportunity reduced dramatically as well for close one deals. And we created 
a huge gain in efficiency in how much we spend on our demand generation machine. And we are currently building that at Beekeeper as well. Okay. I can see how that can be hugely valuable. Just so, so I have a very clear understanding, and I want to make sure our listeners understand, can you uh, give us like a real life example mm -hmm. of how this works, like with an actual customer? You don't have to name actual names, obviously, but just sort of give us a specific example of buyer behavior and how that feeds into the system and how it actually works. Yeah. So let's assume somebody at Resorts World Las Vegas is researching a topic around how they communicate better with their employees or digitizing some of their workflows, their forms internally. And that data is being fed back through Bombora and Sixth Sense as the intent data. So that's already one filter to make it better. And then when they fill out a form on our website, they enter our, our sales funnel, our CRM from HubSpot, it sinks into Salesforce. And from Salesforce, that's where the offline or deep funnel events are happening. So they turn now into a sales accepted lead because they actually have interest. Then they turn into a meeting and an approved opportunity. And now I'm sending that signal back to Facebook and back to Google. And now the machine learning algorithm knows these are the kind of people that are doing the research that are more likely to convert and please optimize for this signal. And once this deal closes and Resorts World Las Vegas is one of our customers, then the yeah, AI within the ad platforms knows to give me more people like this. Uh -huh. And we don't really know what that pattern is, but they have so many data signals around you, around me. There's so much tracking happening that at least their algorithm can now target more people that fall into a similar kind of like pattern. Okay, got it. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you figured out a way to sort of train the AI, train the algorithm to look more specifically for the kind of people that have gone through the process and actually took a sales meeting. That's exactly what it is. Okay. You're giving more data, more numbers uh, to the AI, and you're training the AI to get better and therefore produce better results for you. So re it really is training the AI with better data. And the more data okay. you feed back into it, the better the system will get. So not only can you deliver those deep funnel events, but you could even feed other bits and pieces of data into it, like time on site or your own lead scoring that you have built within mm -hmm. HubSpot or any other system, and you can give it multipliers. So the lead score only is a certain factor for the AI, but if they actually turn into an approved opportunity, value this, I don't know, as 10x or a thousand times more valuable than the other information that I fed you. So, but you can feed lots and lots of signals back into that system through an API. And some of those deep funnel events are even easier to implement now because in HubSpot, you can create other sales stages as, mm -hmm. as signals that then sync directly with those systems without a lot of custom effort. We're going to make it a little bit more elaborate. 
feed more signals back into the into those systems and therefore have somebody actually build it and use the API that they provide to us. Is what you guys are building different than other systems out there that those other systems don't necessarily take account of that deep funnel data that you're talking about? So yeah, it is more, more elaborate in our case because we built it once before and mm -hmm. know what other data we want to feed into the system. But there, there are already pre-built systems, like I said, in HubSpot, where you can mm -hmm. feed some of the signals already back into Google so they can optimize more for the SAL or for the approved op or for the closed one deals. And is this something that you guys are building for Beekeeper or is it something that you want to market as its own product that other people could buy? So it wasn't a big thing three years ago when we built it first. And while I was doing a little bit of research for this podcast, I found a company who now build a software. We are not in the, in, interested in building this as a software. So there are other solutions out there that help you make this whole process easier and not have to deploy your, one of your developers to actually build the infrastructure that allows to send all those signals. So we, we are not going to build it. There are other mm -hmm. people tackling this problem and it just will make your demand gen machine much more efficient and create less noise and get the right leads into your system. So this sounds like it could be a pretty major shift in, in like the efficacy of these kinds of tools, yeah. this kind of software. Yes. And it's, and it seems kind of germane to the moment where everyone's talking about AI generally these mm -hmm. days, specifically generative AI mostly, but it's easy maybe to overlook AI more broadly. And the kind that we're all so used to, the like when we talk about, oh, the Google algorithm, it's so tricky. We're really talking about AI there, aren't we? And it has been around for such a long time and just now is gaining a lot of attention through ChatGPT and DALI and MidJourney and, and whatnot because it's more popularized. But those systems have been around for quite some time. The machine learning algorithm and AI behind those giant ad networks have been around for many years. And now only marketers are starting to, yeah, like you said, train the AI with better data. And that's what we need to do mm -hmm. as marketers. So as this technology, it continues to improve and what you're describing becomes adopted more widely. Mm -hmm. How do you think this is going to change the way that B2B marketers work or just change the, the B2B marketing landscape generally? I don't think that it will change the landscape fundamentally. It just makes it better and we have less waste. I mean, there are these mm -hmm. famous quotes of like, I'm spending this much money, but in, in advertising, but I don't know which half is working. So what we're doing now is being much more targeted and more efficient with our ad spend and therefore create a whole better ecosystem. Because if you are not in market for a certain product and you keep seeing it on Instagram or wherever you spend time, then it becomes annoying. And we all have ad fatigue and see the same thing over and over again. I'm totally not interested. So it creates a better experience for us marketers as well as for the prospects or consumers. Yeah. And I wonder if it'll help address a problem that I read about on LinkedIn all the time, mm -hmm. which is a lot of marketers saying there's too much content out there. 
Right. And there's just this incentive to just blanket the internet with as much content as you can produce on the idea that, well, what we're exactly talking about. We don't know when our targets are actually going to want to buy. So we just have to constantly be getting content out there so that it's there when they are ready to buy, whenever that is. But if there are tools like this where you're not, it's not a matter of guessing as much, then maybe you can focus on not always, not just having content, you know, 24 seven, but more, more targeted content, more specific kinds of content, and maybe even less of it overall, because there's less luck involved. Am, am I on the right track? Yeah. And we should focus on quality over, over quantity. I have worked for other companies where we were churning out lots and lots of SEO content. We don't do that anymore. Yes, there is part of the team that focuses on SEO as well, but it needs to be, even the Google algorithm has changed, that it's much mm -hmm. more, this is made for humans and this provide you the most valuable information in the shortest amount of time. And this whole system doesn't take away from us understanding our customers well. We still need to understand their pain points, their challenges, yeah. and provide value in the content that we create. So I just got a email from Roboworks the other day, and we're just building, rebuilding our entire marketing tech stack, very much ABM focused. And so <clears throat> they had a little template that was the ultimate guide to building your ABM analytics in 2023. Yes, that's relevant to me right now. It makes sense. And if we can create and replicate that for our audiences, and for us, it's frontline businesses in retail, construction, manufacturing, I need to still understand our customers, what are their challenges and what, how do we address them, and then can create a great piece of content that addresses exactly that. How can you digitize your internal work forms and usual paper-based processes and forms with a platform that allows you to digitize this. And Cargill is one of our customers. They had 400 different forms for PTO requests, shifts, materials, all sorts of stuff. They replaced all of it and have already received over 400,000 submissions on their digital forms alone. And mm. you can imagine how are you going to deal with 400,000 paper-based forms in, yeah, yeah. It's just a nightmare for a lot of companies. And so you can run a, a business much more efficiently. And that's the content that we need to create. Mm -hmm. Understand their pain points, create value, and serve it to the people that are most likely to buy, as you opened um, earlier in the podcast. Yeah, precisely. Well, Frederick, we've covered a lot of ground, and it's been a really great discussion. So just one final question. How can people connect with you? I'm on all social media, usually as Frederick Herman, and happy to connect on LinkedIn, but it's also the same on Twitter and everywhere else too. Okay, excellent. We have a link to your LinkedIn and a link to Beekeeper in the show notes. So listeners, please check those out. And Frederick, meanwhile, thank you so much for a really enlightening discussion. It sounds like you're doing some really cool work and uh, it'll be really great to see how it develops in the future. So thank you. I appreciate it. We're always striving to do better work, to create less noise out there. Nobody wants to be bombarded by ads all the time. So let's create better content, serve it to the right people at the right time, and train the AI right. Indeed. Thanks again. Thank you. Really appreciate it. 
That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.